because I like those moments when it's 2 a.m. and it's just you and you, and you don't have to be here. You can quit if you want mm. to. Um, there's no one's making you do this. Shoot, on a lot of these, there's not even a, a medal or a finish line. Basically what goes through my head is I go back to five years ago and think about what I went through from not only the time I got sick till transplant, but I think about what I did while I was drinking and the, the pain that I caused, not only during my transplant, but what I did to my families and so forth and so on and how hard all of that was. And when you really get into that memory and into that moment, when you come back out, I'm, I'm what, I'm at, you know, hour number 16 at, you know, 50 miles or whatever, like, this ain't that bad. You know what I mean? This is what I wanted, was to get to this moment. That was Kelly Morgan Thrush, and this is the Running Deep Podcast. This episode is brought to you by RunX Nutrition. I know some of you are looking for high-quality supplements to fuel your workouts and help you achieve your fitness goals. Now, as cliche as this sounds, look no further than RunX Nutrition. Now, at RunX Nutrition, they do understand that fitness isn't just a hobby, it is a lifestyle, and that's why they offer a premium recovery supplement designed to help you take your performance to the next level. Whether you're a professional athlete, an amateur like myself, or just starting out, they have everything you need to succeed. Their products are formulated with the highest quality ingredients to provide you with the electrolytes you need to optimize your training and recovery. Now, this is the best part. As a listener of this podcast, you can get 30% off your order using the link in the show notes. That is right, 30% off your order and that link will be in the show notes. So why wait? Visit runxnutrition.com or use the show notes link today and take advantage of this exclusive offer. Now run faster, lift heavier, and get it done with Run X Nutrition. Back to the episode. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Running Deep Podcast. I'm gonna keep it short and sweet. This week, I sit down with Kelly Morgan Thrush, uh, if you know the name or the name seems familiar, he was on episode four. I think he was one of my first guests. But yeah, we sit down, we go deep on sobriety, we go deep on his journey. He is five years sober and an endurance athlete, also a transplant survivor. And yeah, it was just great to catch up. I, I call him a dear friend, um, you know, and when I go over to the States, hopefully he can show me around and, you know, we can fit in a run or two together. But yeah. As I said, keep it short and sweet. Please enjoy this episode with me and Kelly Thrush. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. Just like from how how long ago did we? I was thinking about it. It's almost two years. It was summer of twenty one. I don't remember what month. I think it was July. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, it's yeah. Like, like again, like, thank you so much for coming on for round two for this. Like, oh, it's sure. cool. Um, and, you know, like the whole reason I just thought it'd be cool to get you back on was just how much we both have grown in the past two years in regard to like, you know, 
phys- like physical growth and mental growth with all the running we're mm-hmm. doing and you know especially with recovery and mm-hmm. you know i th- i don't know where to start because there's so there's so, like uh, there's so much to catch up on like in two years a lot can happen like a yep. lot can happen um so i think for my audience, like the, because the, the the audience has grown since, of course, like of course it's grown in two years, um, but to give like a little background and a recap of you know your story, because especially with recovery and why or why you're in recovery, sure. um, you know due to what you've been through. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you know, it, it's I'll keep it sort of short. Uh, yeah. it's all- <laughs> Uh, but so the, the capsule, not so short version is, uh, just over five years ago now. So I think when we were talking, it was just a a three year endeavor, but so just over five years ago in January of 2018, uh, I became extremely sick, uh, unbeknownst to me, uh, my liver and my kidneys for that matter were failing on me. Uh, and in the moment it was a total shock. Like I, I was uh, healthy in my mind, um, <laughs> but the way that that all came to be was, well, I was I was abusing alcohol for a decade plus prior to that, mm. uh, and eating crappy foods and staying up till God knows when drinking, to the point where in 2017, really leading up to that whole year, I mean, I was drinking not only every day but all day every day. Um, from the moment I woke up till I passed out at night. I mean, I was, I was having drinks some days more than others, but it was a constant blood alcohol level. You know? mm. So uh, finally on January, well, it really started on January 7th. Uh, my liver started to say no more uh, and started to quit. Um, you know, looking back now, there were, there were some signs prior to mm. uh on January 7th, there were some symptoms that I had that I just ignored, thought I'd just go away. And I played it off as, you know, it was sick with diverticulitis or I was just had the flu or whatever, mm. but it, it wasn't that. And now with clear eyes, I mean, that's obviously the case. So anyhow, January 10th, which was a Wednesday, I was sick enough and I was jaundiced enough, uh, that my, my boss at work, uh, basically gave me an ultimatum. She gave me three options that I needed to go to the hospital you know, she could, she could find me a ride or, or she was calling the ambulance. I mean, that was all there was to it. Uh, and so thank goodness she did. Cause after that, I spent four and a half months in the hospital. Um, the end result being a full liver transplant, uh, on March 22nd of 2018, that actually that sign right behind that poster right behind Mm. me, uh, Jamie got me that, uh, it marks the minute, uh, that I, that I had, it's called, um, reperfusion is when the blood is back in the organ and they mm. considered quote unquote alive again and working on my own, uh, where it was my own liver doing its own thing, uh, with mm-hmm. blood. Strict. So anyway, uh, so that happened about two and a half months afterwards. So, uh, it was a long road, you know, there was, uh, leading up to that transplant. Really. I think the biggest thing that, that I learned from it was, uh, I had multiple doctors that told me there was there's nothing they can do for me. Um, mm. They told me to get my affairs in order uh, that, that this was the time that I had about a month or two to live, depending on how fast mm. it went. And so, and the reason being is that uh, when, when you are a, 
transplant candidate and you need a you need an organ, um, you have to be the right amount of sick. And I had two problems or two hurdles, I should say. So not only do you have to be the right amount of sick, meaning if you're not sick enough, well, then you can wait. And there's there's mm. other people on the transplant list that need this organ more urgently. Um, if you're too sick, well, you're, you're not going to survive anyway. Yeah. So why are we going to give you a perfectly good organ when odds are uh, mm. you're not because the transplant teams, they have a metric that they have, that they get graded on, right? Mm. Uh, the biggest hurdle that I had to overcome was I wasn't sober. And so why would the doctors and the transplant team take this perfectly good organ and plug it back into somebody who's just going to ruin it in a year or two or five or whatever mm. it might be? Uh, and so um, that was a big hurdle. And I actually had two doctors to think of it. And I, I think I talked about that quite a little bit, but uh, they, they, uh, stuck their necks out for me. I mean, really put the reputation on the line, convinced uh, mm. the transplant team to take a risk. And so uh, the five years since has been an amazing journey. Uh, mm. Mm. That's kind of how we came to be through pass and whatnot. And then I started down this rabbit hole of ultra running. And uh, mm. <laughs> again, like, so just, just to go, like I'd, this is a question I've always wanted to know, and I guess like this is a perfect format for it. And I, th I think after you know our conversation, you know, you know, it's like twenty twenty hindsight, like perfect hindsight. You, you finished the episode, the last one we did, and I was like, oh fuck, I forgot to ask this question. Why? Why do you think the doctors? You know, really like, especially look with the United States and their medical system and it's all a bit up in the air, but why do you think they looked at you and went, let's give this guy a chance? I really don't know. Um, I actually do want to go back and ask them that question. Uh, I, I want to interview those guys, mm. uh, specifically those two doctors. Um, Cause I don't know. Uh, I, I think that one, physically barring my kidneys and liver shutting down, I was in relatively good health. Mm. Um, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I was overweight and so forth and so on, but I didn't have any chronic issues. So mm. odds, I think physically, I, you know, I had good odds of surviving this particular surgery. So I think that was part of it. And I think that they saw the way that I interacted with, um, and I'm putting words in their mouth. I've not spoken to either of them about mm. this, but they saw the way that I interacted with, people around me. Um, not, not, not just my family, because while my family was there at that particular point in my life, the relationships weren't good. I mean, the, the one was good with Jamie, uh, who mm -hmm. you just saw. Um, the one was good with my mom and my grandmother, but that was about it. Uh, my siblings, it was Rocky. My dad, it was Rocky. Uh, and my, you know, my, my former wife, my kids, I mean, the whole, the list goes on and on and on that it, I mean, they were there physically, but the relationship was not solid. But I think that those doctors saw the way I interacted with them uh, and the way that I interacted with the, you know, the, the rest of the nursing staff and, and mm. the, um, the uh, you know, the people that came in and cleaned the rooms and so forth and so on, that some were masked under that just gallons of booze was actually a good person. Mm. Uh, I think that they saw that in there in hopes that if I got this second chance, Let's take that little seed, that little kernel of 
uh, of goodness. I don't know if that's the right word for it, mm. but and and maybe they and maybe he can use it moving mm. forward. At least that's how I like to look at it because that that really is the whole point from that moment till mm. when my last moment is uh, is to help as many people as I can. So I I, th- I think that's yeah. what they. That's a good question. No one's asked me that one before. No, because I I've I've always wanted to art. Like I just you know never got. Well, now I have the chance and have us, but you know, after the episode, I, it was always a question I wanted to ask, and especially through, you know, our journey. Because I, th- again, I think we've we're very, very similar with our stories, yeah. and maybe you're a bit better with the recovery side of things. But we, we can get into that. Like I'm, I can be honest, and I've I'm very honest on you know the the social media and all that, and. You know, I, I really fucking struggle with alcohol, like not to the, not to the extent of what, where I was at, but you know, the one drink that you think you can have turns into 10 and then you're vomiting in the bathtub, you know, and you know, I don't touch cocaine unless I, you know, if I have cocaine, it's because I drank alcohol. So alcohol's the problem. Um, so for you over the past five years, so I'm, I'm, guessing you're still completely sober oh yeah right. don't go 30 yeah, yeah. mm-hmm. I'll, 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 actually i'll tell you a, a story that happened just this last uh uh december uh so we're uh family's over we're having get together i don't know how many people were here but it was holiday season right and and there's alcohol around you know i'm not mm. uh, i don't sequester myself from it you know i'll go out and, and jamie will have a glass of wine or a, or a cranberry vodka or whatever with dinner every once in a while and absolutely alcohol in my house currently i don't have any temptations whatsoever because i know the stakes uh we'll chat about it because i'm in the same boat as you i i know good and well that one drink eventually will lead to me passed out somewhere and puking maybe not that Mm. night but but it will um Mm. i can i have evidence of that uh when i eat try to eat one oreo cookie like it just doesn't happen you know, like Jamie will look at me. She goes, did you eat all the Oreos? Well, yeah. I mean, it's really at your fault. You bought them, you know, that kind of thing. Cause she's normal. She can have one Oreo or she can have one glass of wine and she's fine. And that's it. And she may not even finish it. You know, I, I don't have that component. I don't have that self will. So, um, so I just abstain completely. So anyhow, this past uh, uh, December, I was, we were cooking, I was cooking and, I was in the, the kitchen there next to the stove. And so I drank uh, the sparkling waters, right? So mm. that's what I drank almost exclusively uh, are those waters. And someone had some sort of can of Seagram's like Jamaican me crazy fruity something mm. drink, whatever it was. But it was next to me on the counter. And I just unconsciously grabbed it and took a swig. And it, as soon as it hit my mouth, I turned to like spit it out in the sink and went, oh, my God, what have I just done? Mm. I, just threw, I haven't even made it five years. I just threw it all away, blah, blah, blah. And Jamie happened to be walking around the corner and saw the look of panic on my face. And I looked at her and I went, hold on. Did you just see what just happened? First off, so when you smell this on my breath, like this wasn't my intention, you know, so forth. But I had a good, there was a good half hour in that moment where I won't say I was sick to my stomach, but I felt really shitty because mm. I can't believe I just did that. Like I haven't had even a sip of alcohol mm. five years and I'm going to do it on accident. Like, 
that's not how this works. So then emotions calm down, you know, mm -hmm. my emotions calm down. Uh, and I look at it rationally and went, no, that's not how this works. You're fine. You didn't ruin any sobriety shit. You didn't even swallow. Like it wasn't mm -hmm. even in your mouth for half of a second. You know, mm -hmm. as soon as, as soon as you, I had that flavor of booze and it, and it clicked and it was like gone out at one. Mm -hmm. So, uh, for me, that was, that was a, yeah. that was a big moment. But again, like, uh, see, I'm like, we're, uh, we're so similar, but I, I, for me in where I'm at at the moment, I would have swallowed it, you know, like yeah. right now, like I've, let's have a look. I'm 14 days sober. And when, when I say sober, it's, it's cause I've been on and off. I went, I went a month, uh, a while back and, you know, I felt good and, but it's, it, bad things always happen and it i've admitted to myself now i just love being drunk i like i can sit in a dark room and get drunk and that that's that's happiness for, oh no wrong happiness for me i feel good i i finally admitted that i enjoy getting blind drunk and not feeling and mm -hmm. you know as that sort of notion developed you know, I started digging a bit deeper. I started digging a bit deeper and, you know, I thought I've been, you know, for the past year, I, th I thought I've been on a good trajectory. I thought, you know, things are falling into place and I think I haven't kept the, the, the sword sharp enough. You know, it, it's crept up. I was getting drunk every weekend and I've gone and I just thought, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an ultra runner, you know, I can, I can run it out and everything's all good. And now I'm going back into therapy because there's something there that I can't put a finger on that is making me want to drink. Like I'm craving, I'm craving the feeling of being drunk. It's a craving now. And I haven't felt like that for a very long time. I'll finish work and go, I just want to get drunk or even some of my runs, you know, I, I, I did a big run yesterday and I had this feeling of, I just want to get drunk to, you know, to, to feel good the, sure. the run wasn't the run wasn't enough for me anymore and that I, that's what i'm feeling at the moment the, the running and what i'm scared about as well was you know running got me away that was my drug to get me away and to, to help me get sober but it's not doing it anymore the drug isn't as good as it was in the past it's it's not there anymore you know that that high isn't there um, I'm doing it for all the, um, I was doing it for all the wrong reasons, but now there's something else that I can't put a finger on. So I've taken a step back, you know, 14 or two weeks sober and I'm going back to therapy and I'm, I'm going back to work on myself because I, I know exactly what you said, you know, I'm the exact same with the Oreos or chips. Chips is my biggest one. You know, I, I'll eat a whole packet of chips in one sit, like a, a party bag and go, oh, I'm so full. I'm like, holy shit. I just ate you know, a party, party bag of Doritos. So now I know that I can feel that sense. I can feel it coming back up. So it's time to, you know, take a step back. Now, where I'm going with this is for you over this five year, you know, recovery, the sobriety, did you end up doing any work on yourself? Like to see where the sobriety, like where the addiction came from? 
No, we didn't. You know, I went to therapy, uh, especially right after transplant. Uh, in fact, it was required in order mm. for me to get a transplant. I had to go through. Th there's a number of steps that people have to take prior to a transplant. Um, not only being sober for a year, uh, but they have to go through Smart Recovery, uh, which is a uh, it's a national organization. It's well, it's a worldwide organization, uh, but it's similar to AA, meaning that it's uh, the same destination, you know, sobriety uh, from whatever ailment, whether it's drugs or booze or sex or gambling or food or whatever. Very different vehicle than AA. Like there's no twelve steps, uh, there's no sponsors, things like that. Uh, it's actually based off cognitive behavioral therapy, which is why I think it was required because at the same time to get the transplant, I had to go to actual cognitive behavioral therapy, not just. Mm -hmm. uh, we never did dig into why the addiction is the way it is. Um, I have my own thoughts. I, I don't know. I don't know how accurate any of it all is. Um, we grew up with there was booze in the house, you know, all the time. Uh, my parents drank wine you know, all that good stuff. But um, I think somewhere in there genetically, I'm just predisposed to it. Uh, mm. My mom actually passed away. Um, uh, let me think it was actually it was right before you and I chatted the first time she passed away from her fighting her own alcohol battle. Um, mm. Now, I don't think that was officially, you know, what caused her to die, but it was, I mean, that's what it was. Uh, she was in and out of rehabs, uh, in and out of uh, in and out of houses, meaning families' houses. She lived with me for a couple of different stints uh, mm. throughout my throughout her uh, last five, 10 years um, to the point where she was completely alone. Uh, and it was uh, it was hard watching her go through that. So um, sorry, I just was thinking about a, a memory popped up when I when I said that. So anyhow, uh, I, th I think that um, there's somewhere in there you know, I'm, I'm just predisposed to it. Why it was where it was. I don't know. I, I know what I'm doing now and how I can refrain and better myself without mm. alcohol. Cause that was so much part of my identity from age, probably 20 to 38. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I was the guy, you know, those, those shirts or phrases that, you know, the guy says here, hold my beer when he goes, goes do something stupid. Uh, yeah, that was me. I, I, I was that guy. I still kind of am just minus the beer. Um, but you know, I'll still go do go out and do stupid shit, which is why I think ultra running kind of makes sense. But uh so anyhow, I, I mean I think to answer your question, I don't really know why or where I guess the addiction came from. I, I have a feeling there's some component of environment, some component of genetics, some component of all my decisions. No one was forcing me mm. to drink, you know. Mm. I think, you know, going back to, you know, the stupid shit, I think that's a, um, it's a good segue into, you know, what, what you've been doing and sure. how you've been using, you know, the recovery. And as, as you said, re reframing the addiction, reframing what you've, what, what, what's internally going on into externally. So man, I can't keep up with what you're doing, to be honest, like you, you've got this, uh, what is it? 10 times to, I don't yes. know how to say. It. So there, there's a hill called Tumamak, uh, yeah. which is uh, here in town. It's a, it's a Tucson landmark and Tumamak is a native American word uh, from the people that live here. Um, and it actually mm. means horny toad. I don't know if you guys have, have horny toads. They're little horned lizards. 
uh, okay. in, the, in the desert. And we call them horny toads. Yeah. Lizard is actually the technical term. But uh, in their native language, Tumamak is what it means. Because if you look at it from a profile, it kind of looks like a like a mm. lizard laying on the ground. So anyhow, it is a, uh, it's a Tucson landmark. It's a paved path. Uh, mm-hmm. But it is uh, about a mile, 1.4 miles up from the front gate uh, with about 700 feet of elevation gain. Um, so it's 700. So okay, 700 I'm, just, I'm just looking at the. Yeah, so meters wise, I have no idea what's that. 213 meters elevation. Okay. All right, there we go. Cool. So it's it's a good little track. And there's, there's some steep grades, uh, especially towards the switchbacks at the top. So it's a tough hike. Um, Mm. And so last year uh, in 2000, or in, in, uh, excuse me, in 22, uh, I had the idea of I'm going to celebrate my four years of uh, my liverversary, which is what it's Mm -hmm. effectively called, uh, by going up and down that thing 10 times. And the whole point of this event is to get everybody or anybody that was willing to come out that day to come out that day. Mm-hmm. Now, most people aren't stupid and they won't do it 10 times, <laughs> but everybody can do it more than they thought they could. And so if, you know, the, the kind of the, the tagline is if you think you can do it three times, do it four. If you only think you can do it once, do it twice. If you weren't mm-hmm. planning on it at all that day, just come out to the start line. Cause I guarantee mm-hmm. you, pressure will kick in and you'll end up going mm. up the trail. Uh, and it's a fantastic event. People were out there uh, this year. People were out. I, mean, I don't know how many people exactly, probably 50 people came out throughout the whole day. Mm-hmm. Uh, two of my friends and uh, from up in Prescott, Arizona, uh, they came out for the entire day. So that Prescott's probably three and a half hours North of here. Uh, and they drove down for the event. Uh, and uh, Jeff, who's my buddy, he did it all 10. Uh, his mm-hmm. wife Molly did it at nine. I only got eight, which so I'm just trying to figure out. So it's just for the for the Australian listeners. So it's if one only, point. If you if you do it ten times, it'll be just to... about a fifty k. Oh. Yeah, just about so... a fifty k. With I guess it would be if it was two hundred meters with two thousand or twenty five hundred meters of elevation. Or elevation. Oh. Yuck. <laughs> it's a big day. Yeah. And how so long, how long was that taking you guys to, to finish that? So it's 10 hours because the way yeah. it's organized, it's every hour on the hour we go up. And so mm-hmm. that way people can come whenever they want to, knowing that we're going to go up at 7 a.m., 8 a.m., 9 a.m. is when the group goes up. And then you can take as long as you want to come back down. There's no time. Mm-hmm. For it. Uh, now, if you're going to do it all 10, you've you got to be back down in an hour. Um, so, you know, you can, people can hurry. I think the record is like 20 minutes or something stupid that not me, not my record. Um, but people can run it real fast up and down, but if you're doing it all day, you know, 45 minute trip a round trip is a good, it's a good trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you get a few minutes to sit you get something to eat, maybe something to drink and then head back up. Mm-hmm. And so every hour, like if somebody wants to come and do two trips, but they don't want to be, they can't be there at 7am. That's okay. They can come at 11. And then they come at noon or whatever it is. Mm, and so mm. it's a 10 hour day uh, going up and down this thing. I was actually, this year, I was actually extremely sick the week before. Um, I actually missed a couple of days of work, which I never miss work very often, at mm. least not for being sick anyway. Um, and, uh, and I was really hurting. So went on trip number 
five uh, going consecutives, uh, I started coughing pretty bad, hacking up a lung. Uh, and on trip number six, like I couldn't control my heart rate. It was mm. skyrocketing way more than it should be for what the amount of effort I was putting out. Mm. Uh, and so I decided, all right, I'm going to take trip number seven, you know, that two o'clock hour, I'm going to take it off. I'm just going to sit. We had a, you know, a whole tent set up with coolers and snacks and everything. We had our own little aid station down at the start line. Uh, and so I just sat for an hour and then I went up back in the three o'clock hour, came back and I sat for the four o'clock or whatever the times were. And then went back up with everybody as a group on the last mm-hmm. trip. So ended up getting eight for the day, which is still a pretty good day. I mean, it's still 25 miles or whatever it was. That's still a lot with a lot of elevation in such a it's short. It's 40, 40K. What's a marathon? 42K, something like that. Yeah. 40K with what, two, 1800. That's that's still a solid, solid effort. Yeah, it's and a good day. The, the other one I want to talk about, well, there's two other races. There's one of your DNFs, which I never really got to, you know, pick apart with you. We never really got the chance. Sure. But the one that interests me the most, and it's something that I would love to fly over to the States for is um, Charlie Engel's recovery oh, yeah. run, the 30-hour, yeah. 31-hour, whatever it is um, around. Is it the recovery center? Yeah. So it, we're going back again here uh, in, in July. So uh, Charlie Engel, um, who is, is a friend of mine now, um, he uh, last year was celebrating 30 years of sobriety. And to celebrate, which he's done every year for like the last 15 years, is he will run one hour for every year that he's been sober. And last year was a 30-hour event. And so what he put together uh, out of the Ashley Treatment Center uh, which is in uh, Maryland, uh, right on the Chesapeake Bay. I mean, it's absolutely gorgeous. I mean, this whole, you know, this whole, I don't even know how many acres acres it is, but it's huge. It's a huge campus. Um, but he's a, a brand ambassador for him. So he put together this whole event uh, where we were going to run around this treatment facility for 30 hours. Uh, and uh, there was, there was a couple hundred people total. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say that probably 50 of us that were doing the ultra. Uh, now the way that it worked out was uh, it, it was definitely an event. It's not a race because mm. there's no, while yes, there was a start finish line. There was no timing chips. It was no, it was just be moving for 30 for hours. 30 hours, Yeah. Right. So this year it's actually 31 hours uh, that we're doing. Uh, yeah. So 31 hours we're going to be going. Uh, and the best part about that, I mean, I could talk about this event forever and you really should make it a point to go. It was, it was a life changing event for me last year. I met people that are, uh, that are great friends of mine, um, that I still talk to. And I just met them only at that event. We're scattered across the world, you know, um, you know, where we, where we chat on Instagram or text or whatever it is, uh, and some really wonderful people. And it's for a good cause because what part of what they're raising money for is addiction treatment research mm. uh, really one of Charlie's ideas is uh, wearables and trying to predict relapses through your wearable devices. Hmm. You know, it's, it's like, Hey, we can predict, you know, that you're sick. Uh, why can't we predict if you're thinking or at least tending to from your physiological biomarkers uh, that you're starting to head that direction again? Uh, whether it's based off your heart rate or your respiration and so mm. forth and so on. that's kind of the idea, the premise of it. Um, and so 
uh, we went out there uh, and I didn't know what to expect last year. Um, I really didn't. I was like, okay, I think this is a good event. One, I was like, it's at sea level, which is perfect. Uh, Cause we live, uh, our, our elevation where I live is about 3000 feet. So whatever that is uh, in meters wise, I don't know. thousand meters, I guess, I guess, I don't know. Um, find out three, three and a half thousand feet is bear with me. Yeah, no worries. Oh, fuck. <laughs> one, one, uh, one, 1066 meters. Oh, I guess it makes sense. It's yeah. Weird. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Huh? Uh, and so, um, so anyway, so I thought I'd have an advantage cause it's at sea level, um, you know, and, and I'll go down and I'm going to, it's relatively flat this <clears> course, <throat> although there's like a staircase with about 10 steps right in the middle of it that mm. really doesn't bother you for the first 24 hours, but those last six, are a little rough, uh, and so I went out and we went to go, but now it was so unbelievably hot and humid that day. Mm. Like I'm from Arizona and it's hot here, but that was a different kind of stifling heat that we went through. I mean, it was a hundred percent humid. Well, I can't say a hundred, but it was like 95% humidity mm. and a hundred plus. I mean, it was, it was hot, hot. And so then as we're going through the first probably hour or two, everybody's kind of doing their own thing. Like we're talking, but it's not, you know, you don't know anybody. Mm -hmm. Well, I didn't know anybody anyway. So you're doing your own thing and just making your laps. Then you end up getting in little pockets of people that you run with. Um, the, the cool part about that was because most of us, not all of us, but most of us are in somewhere in our recovery journey that was running this. Either we were, you know, in recovery personally or someone close to them had it, it had affected, you know, alcohol mm. or drugs, whatever addiction had affected them. There were some very personal and vulnerable stories that were being told, you know, while we're suffering through this stifling heat. Mm. Uh, and that created some, I mean, some, I, I think some lifelong bonds with people. And it was fantastic. So we're going through this thing for now we're hours upon hours. Now it's getting into the evening time. Um, but we're not running anymore. It's no longer how many miles can we get? It's now we're going to continue moving, but we're going to chat with each other. We're going to talk recovery. We're just going to, you know, talk life in general and ideas and so forth and so on. And it was, it was perfect. I mean, it, it was really mm. fantastic. Like if you had to use the restroom, right. And you're way out on one side of the course, you just cut right back across. You didn't, there was no timing chips. Like, mm. okay, I'll catch up with my next lap. I'm going to go to the bathroom. You know, or if, oh, look, hey, there's somebody else I want to go run with. You turn around and run backwards on the same course, you know, and meet up with them halfway around the other side. Hmm. Uh, it really was an unbelievable event. And I am stoked to be going back here in July. I mean, it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be great. Yeah, like I, I did. I actually was reading on it yesterday um, because funnily enough, it popped up and it just seems like a group of people get, like, as you said, just getting together and, you know, you, you solve the, the world's problems in 30 hours. Um, you did meet one guy, uh, from Australia. Uh, oh, Luke. Luke. Yeah. Luke Hepworth. He, He's amazing. Yeah. I don't, I can't figure him. I, I've messaged him and I follow his story and I'm like, who is this guy? Like multimillionaire. Uh, yeah, he's, some along those lines. Yeah. You know, he, he's up with the, you know, not the, I wouldn't say the elites, but, you know, the one percenters of Australia. Yeah. And, you know, how, like I've spoken to him a bit and just, you know, try to figure out 
what he does for a living because he's he's every he does all these adventures. So one of the things he was working on, and you have to ask Luke where it stands, but last summer, uh, what he was doing was he was working on apps on your phone via, again, via your wearables uh, that can, um, like one of them was to uh, diagnose skin cancer. You take a picture of it with your phone. You have this weird spot on your arm. You take a picture of it. It says 95% probability it's XYZ skin cancer. Then it would take you to here are the nearest clinics that deal with this within your vicinity and automatically starts like setting up appointments and so forth and so on. The big thing about that project, and again, I, I don't know the ins and outs, but the big thing about that project was he was giving it away for free. Um, his whole thing mm. was going to be they were in Africa trying to implement it in like 350 million phones and have it be an automatic download. This mm. app. So when you get, you know how you get your iPhone and it already mm. has how many apps that are on there already standard uh, to have that one already there uh, where it can now it can detect things like COVID or things, you know, mm. of that nature where it's just automatic and just make it part of, you know, everyday life where it's not, I have to worry about trying to get to a doctor or to a hospital or how I'm going to pay for the, figuring this out, mm. but, but trying to preemptively get ahead of these diseases and illnesses. Um, he's a, he's a, he's a cool dude, man. I, he was super cool. Him and I spent a lot of miles together. Yeah. I just saw some of the stuff he'd done, like, you know, going to Antarctica and doing oh, yeah. something there he, and he's at Everest just, right now. Currently he's at base camp as of yesterday. He's at base camp. And yeah, I, I, he just seems like a, you know, not, not an adrenaline junkie, a more, you know, adventure oh, philanthropist. Like he does exactly everything. What, that's what he says. That's what he says his job is, is venture philanthropist. Uh, he's a, he's a, he seems like a really cool dude. Like we had a very small conversation discussion, but someone who I really like, I think is, I want to get him on the podcast, but I, I feel, I don't know. I'm small fry. I, I don't know. I think. He's no, great, I, man. He'd be all about it, I bet. If if you can figure out schedules, because obviously you see yeah, his business everywhere. Um, no, he'd be but great. Another one's be Charlie. I'd mm-hmm. love to get Charlie on and pick his brain. Because he, he when I went sober for the year, uh, mm-hmm. last year or year before, Charlie, I, I messaged Charlie, you know, through the ultra running guys. You know, Charlie sure. did a video for me and it was... It was so, it was nice to know that someone as big as Charlie, you know, was giving me support. Yeah. Um, but then again, I see how big he is now, and I'm like looking at all the things he's done. It's that you know imposter syndrome sort of thing going. Why the why the fuck would he want to come onto this podcast right. like with a, with an Aussie? So I'll get there eventually with Charlie. Like, like he seems busy though. The only thing is he oh, seems sure. extremely busy yeah. with what he he's is. doing. He's, he's another one, man. He's a great guy. Uh, it, it, again, it just works on schedules because he is, he's, he's a cool dude and he has an innate ability when you are talking to him as busy as he is and as famous as he is and all that good stuff. When you're talking one-on-one with him, you're the only person he's talking to and he he'll listen and he'll chat and he'll give feedback and suggestions and whatnot. But that moment, it's just mm. you and him, you know, and he is, he is very good at that. Uh, I think I we forget. I th- yeah, I think we forget. Like these guys are, they're as human as us. You know, he's in. You know me. Yeah, for sure. 
The only difference is, you know, I haven't ran across the Sahara yet, but that's about it. That's the only difference between me and him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so with this, so you've, you've done the 30 hours. So how many, yeah. how many miles roughly did you get in that? Like, so that day I got uh, just over a hundred K that day. Yeah. Uh, the, the heat was rough and I was about not it, yeah. prepared for it. So, uh, we ended up taking some breaks that night. Um, some extended breaks that night where, you know, you laid down. I don't think I actually slept. Maybe I did for a minute or two, but, mm. um, but again, I, once I figured out what type of event that was, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, uh, Brendan, a guy that was there, uh, last year, he won the thing and he did 90 miles, um, that day. Uh, and he was hurting at the end of that. Um, so he, um, we were, he was doing the ultra runner shuffle one minute on one minute off, uh, and just going back and forth. Oh, the- but in the heat though, the, yeah. Yeah. like I did, uh, this is one I, I did recently call it's called the dusk till dawn and you start at 6, oh, yep. 6 PM till 6 AM. And I mean, it was, if not the hottest race at, at 5 30 PM. It was 29 degrees. So what would that be? I don't know. Just trying to think. Oh, it's, I it's don't a, know. A hundred degrees is what roughly 100 degrees. Wait. Oh my God. I'm going to do a calculation right now. So it was hot. Let's just say it was, it was stifling hot at 530. <laughs> right. Now, usually uh, when you're in country, country australia it gets quite cold you know when, when you go inland a bit um the coast is usually quite hot very humid when you go inland to sort of the countryside you know that you expect it to drop you expect you know it's going to be hot during the day but at night time it, it drops to you know you're looking at 10 degrees or right. because it was summer you know 15 degrees or 5.30, was th- it went from 31 to, it was between 29, 30 degrees, roughly. And I was standing at the start line and I was sweating. It was right. humid. Yeah. I, I had not even started running yet and I, I was already sweating. I had patches, like I was dripping sweat. First 10K, I was, got, I was like, I'm, I'm pulling out. Like I am, I should not be, I'm saturated. My pants had, you know, you know, when you've been running for a while, you've got the big patch, just like where, oh, yeah. you, where your legs. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is horrendous. So I don't even know how you like, I got to, I did eight hours and that was enough for me. So for you right. to do 30, yeah, 30 hours like that, I, I don't, I haven't even run past 16 hours before, let alone, you know, 30. So like when you're, when you're doing these laps, and it gets lonely and it gets hard. What, what are you thinking? What do you like? I know you've got the support of the people around you, but of course it's 30 hours on your feet. Right. So what, what do you, it, it what's really going just, through? Yeah. So, uh, I've chatted about this with a few folks over, over the last year or so. Um, I, I don't run with headphones or music or anything along those lines, uh, really ever. Um, because I like those moments when it's 2 AM and it's just you and you, and you don't have to be here. You can quit if you want Mm. to. Um, There's no one's making you do this. 
shoot on a lot of these, there's not even a, a metal or a finish line, you know, cause I'll go out and, you know, I've done where I've ran around Tucson overnights uh, and did 50 miles, you know, uh, which it, those days it was raining that particular day. It was during monsoon season. It was like pouring. I mean, I was dodging toads throughout the road everywhere. Anyway, um, basically what goes through my head is I go back to five years ago and think about what I went through from not only the time I got sick till transplant, but I think about what I did while I was drinking and the, the pain that I caused, not only during my transplant, but what I did to my families and so forth and so on and how hard all of that was. And when you really get into that memory and into that moment, when you come back out, I'm, I'm what, I'm at, you know, hour number 16 at, you know, 50 miles or whatever, like, this ain't that bad. You know what I mean? This is what I wanted was to get to this moment and the suffering. Cause it really, when you put it in one of my favorite words is perspective, cause you can use it everywhere. When you put whatever you're going through in perspective and zoom out a little bit, it's not that bad. You know what I mean? So uh, it, it's just, you try to keep it in relationship to while it hurts in the moment and your feet hurt and your legs are screaming at you to stop and you're hungry and you're tired, zombie walking, you know, can't stay awake. In the grand scheme of things, yeah, this ain't that big a deal. You know hmm. what I mean? Like I, I think oh, I think I say this in every single episode with everyone. Is I as fun funnily enough, as you were saying that, I don't know if you believe in the divine or guardian angels or whatever it is, as you were saying that the time on my, and I see, I, for some reason, I don't know what it is. I keep seeing 7, 11, 8, 11, 9, 11, 10, 11, and 12, 11, all right. 11. It's like an, for me, I'm a massive believer in angel numbers. And as you're saying that I look up the time and it's 11, 11, 11. And it, what it means is you've got to listen what, what I get told, um, is you got to listen and, and be in the moment that you, what you're listening to and what you just said then and i say this with every podcast like it, that was meant for me you know that really because i've got this hundred miler on the fucking track in right six weeks nice. i i can't even fathom that that is over 30, 30 hours. That's why I'm asking the question too, because it's, it's a personal thing. You know, I need to zoom out. I really need to zoom out because as you said, it's the pain and suffering that I cause my family, my parents, my children, my, my wife, and they're still here supporting me. And, you know, I've, I'm doing this for somebody else. Like I'm, I'm raising money for a, an old friend of mine who's in a coma. Um, you know, I, I got to zoom out. I've got to, I think it's the why I think it's everything, everything I think is going to play into this. And as you, as you said, it's not that like, it's just a run. Yeah. It's all temporary. It's all temporary. It's good. The pain's going to go away. The race is going to mm. be over sooner than you think we did i did a 50 miler well it was supposed to be a 50 miler it was actually 40 because mm -hmm. i got pulled with 50 i missed the cutoff by about 15 minutes um 
but I was running with two of my friends who had never attempted a 50 miler. Mm. And so we were in the, you know, in the, at the start line before the race and they're getting nervous and, you know, the race day jitters and they've never done this and they're nervous about the distance. And so 50, we're sorry, 50, that's 80k. 80k? Uh, no, um, yeah, about 80k. Yeah, somewhere along the like is 100k is 62 miles. Yeah, so about that. 80, yeah. yeah. So there, so it's an 80k race. Uh, and they're getting nervous. And I and I looked at both of them. I said, as long as today is gonna be a long day and it's gonna go by like that. So when you're in that moment, just stop and pause and, and take a minute. You can be running, but really relish where you're at. Like, because it's, it's going to fly by. And I know you, I sound stupid because we're going to be running for the next 15 hours, but I promise it's going to, it's just going to in a flash mm. because you're, you're moving and you're working and you're constantly suffering and so forth and so on. And then it's over. And all you want to do is go back. You know what I mean? So just <laughs> pause for a second and just take a minute to realize where you're at and what you're doing and what you're able to do and that you're capable of doing those things. Like, I mean, that's, it's, it's amazing. You know what you, you brought up uh, your race that's coming up that around the track. Um, one of the things that I do for me, and this is for me and me alone. I don't. This isn't for everybody else, but when you when you're in those hard moments, it's to prove to me that I can fucking do this shit. Because the guy ten years ago that was three hundred pounds and sloppy and sweaty and drunk every day, like he he couldn't do this. Like I can. That dude can't. You know what I mean? And so there's, there's that competitive side of things. When I get, um, when I get a little fired up, like your feet hurt, who cares? Just keep pressing. Like your, your foot pain's going to go away. You're not injured. You're just being a sissy, sissy, just go, you know? So those are the types of conversations that I have. Mm. Cause my, voice in my head is awfully loud. Sometimes that little voice that tells you to quit and you're not good enough and so forth and so on. Yeah. I think, yeah. I, uh, Again, I needed to hear that. It's, I think that the biggest thing for the for the race, and I think for any race, is like I, I ask myself, what am I scared of? And I can tell you for a fact, you know, the, the distance doesn't scare me. It's it's the yeah, you know, one hundred and sixty, one hundred miles doesn't. When I think about a hundred mile race, I go, that doesn't scare me. When I think about a two hundred mile race, that does not scare me. It's not the distance that scares me. I think it's the the head noise, the head chatter, the actual pain and suffering that I'm scared of. That that's that's the big one for me. Like how much or how deep will I have to go to get this done? And I know for a fact I'm going to go to a place on that run that I've never been before. Sure, absolutely. You know, that first ultra run I did. um, You know, the back and forth for the run for your life. You know the ten yep. hours of two two and a half kilometer loops. I went to a place. It was only seventy kilometers, but I went to a place I've never been before. That was really hard. That was one of the hardest things I've ever done. Now you know, double that distance plus more. Where am I gonna go? What am I gonna experience? What am I gonna feel? That's the exciting part of it, but also that is the piece that scares the absolute fuck out of me. Like. Right. You know, but then again, it's the zoom out and go, well, fuck, Kent, you wanted to kill yourself a couple of years ago. Well, oh, yep. I just had a bird <laughs> flying. <laughs> um, you know, I, I wanted to, 
I wanted to die. You know, I, yeah. I, I didn't want to be here. And now I'm putting myself through, you know, the suffering for somebody else, for, for me, for everyone. And I think I've got it. Like I've, when I, when I cut this episode up and whatnot, I think I'm just going to like keep, and I always do. I keep these snippets for myself. I, cause I know you it's going to be hard. I know yep. it's going to be hard. I know it's going to be shit. I know that many times throughout the race with any race, I'm going to want to quit, but you know, it's right. these discussions that I get to have with people who've done more than me who have experienced it that I, I, I really appreciate. So it's nice. It's good. I think craving that, that suffering is a key mindset. Like I, you, you want it to come. Like I want to be in that moment where I can't do it anymore. And mm. that's the conversation. Like I want to get to that point where I can't take another step. And then mm. you go ahead and do it anyway, mm. you know, cause I sit there and go like, you know, my feet hurt so bad or my legs hurt so bad or my stomach like is just thrashed and I'm going to throw up or whatever the, whatever the physical sensations are, the conversation that I'll have is, do you know why you get to feel all that stuff today? Cause you're not dead. Mm. Like that's you shouldn't, I shouldn't be here. Every minute I have is house money. Mm. Every minute I have is house money. So I get to feel those sensations, those real human raw emotions because I'm alive. So I, I, it's fantastic. It sucks in the moment, but that's really what I like getting to, you know, I, I don't know if that makes a whole lot of sense, but craving that suffering is, uh, it's kind of what it's all about. And like with all that suffering and, and, you know, for someone who has suffered like, like yourself, who has been through, through a lot like you've fuck, you've been through a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know that about your mum, you know, through your entire life with addiction, with these runs, with everything. What's your message to that person who is struggling with sobriety, struggling with life, their mental health, with with anything at all? Like, what's your message to them to to fucking get through this thing? Sure. So that because I have these conversations pretty often with people who are dealing with typically booze, um, but sometimes drugs or a mixture. So there's a couple of questions that you have to ask and, and figure out what they want. Most of the time, not all the time, most of the time they say, I, I don't want, or I, I want to stop drinking. I just don't know how it's too hard to stop so forth and so on. And so the first con- part of that conversation we'll talk about is, Man, the the life on the other side of alcohol or addiction, I should say, the life on the other side, oh my gosh, the grass is absolutely greener over here. Mm. It's so much better. Sensations are better. Your relationships are better. You you're you're everything tastes sweeter. I mean, all of it is better. Like there's there's nothing, there's no downside to it. And so we'll have in-depth conversations about that. I said, well, I don't know how to do it. And I said, well, it's, it's going to be hard. Like there's, I can't sugarcoat, but it's going to be fucking tough. Mm. But we can do it. And here's some tools, you know, that, and some experiences that I've had that maybe might work for you kind of deal. Mm. Um, but to get to those other, that other side of addiction or transplants or whatever it is, um, man, it's amazing stuff over here. 
And that's, that's usually the conversation and how it goes. And then I'll ask them, all right, well, where do you want to start? And then we'll pick one thing out of the toolbox and that's what we'll start on, you know, and then we'll, we'll take that for a day or two or a week or 10 weeks or whatever it is. And then we'll work on the next one. And then the next one, and pretty soon you start building momentum. You know how it is. You start building momentum and then pretty soon that flywheel is turning and then there's no effort to it anymore. Eventually. Yeah. I think like the the hardest part about getting sober, like (laughs) I even troll and, you know, Mishka Shabali that they've spoken about this, Mm -hmm. that, you know, when you're suddenly sober, your your problems are still there. You're still the same person. You just don't drink anymore. You know, that medicine that medicine isn't there anymore. Yep. So now you've got to deal with the shit, you mm-hmm. know, and, and psh, fuck that sucks. <laughs> you know, you, you relied hard. on, you relied on the medication, you relied on the medicine, the alcohol to get you through things or to numb things. And suddenly it's not there anymore. The pain comes back. It's, and you've got to deal with the pain and you, you you've got to sit with the pain and, it's fucking tough. Mm-hmm. It's hard. The, the, you know, I put up a video, oh, probably a couple of days ago. Like my my, since I've stopped drinking, my funnily enough, my depression has come back badly. You know, the not not, not look. I'll I'll never. I can say that now. You know, I I'll never ever, you know, act on a suicidal thought. I would never. I could I could never do that to my kids. You know, I love my kids too much and I love my life too much. I love my the people around me. I love the podcast too much to ever do that. But I don't want to have those thoughts anymore and I don't want to go through that. But, you know, I stopped drinking and the, suddenly I feel like shit. I've got to, and it's like I can't, you've used alcohol, at, you know, to, to suppress what you've been going through subconsciously. Now deal with it deal with what you haven't been dealing with you haven't kept your sword sharp it's sort of like a i don't know the subconscious doing a bit of like a fuck you you fucked around too much get back to work so yeah and uh look it's as you said there's no sugar coating it there isn't it sucks road to mm-hmm. recovery sucks it fucking sucks it's so hard it is so hard and it's mad. You can do it, but you know, like I know through your whole road of recovery, you had Jamie there. Mm-hmm. Was it just her helping you through that, or did you have, you know, friends and family, or or did you already just make up your mind and say, "Hey, I'm not drinking anymore. I'm just not drinking anymore." Combination of all of the above. Uh, mostly just Jamie here, uh, especially in the beginning. Um, you know, when I got sick, uh, I wouldn't even let her tell my family that I was in the hospital. It was 10 days before I let her even make it public. My people mm-hmm. at work knew because shit, I was there when I got sick, but, um, but my family, my, my mom didn't know, my dad didn't know, you know, I wouldn't let her tell anyone because I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. I, I was waiting for the doctors to tell me I couldn't drink anymore, which that wasn't going to be the right answer. You know what I mean? Cause I wasn't in a spot, you know, I was, craving to get back out. So I start drinking again. Mm. Um, so once I got out, however, really the, the defining moment, and, and, and I've talked about this was when I woke up from surgery. I mean, that was, it, it is hard to describe that moment when I woke up and I'm on the other side, 
you know, and I'm, I'm still hooked up to every machine out there, but my whole family's there. And just God, the, the gratitude that came with that was, um, it was just overwhelming. I mean, we, we talked about it on this podcast mm. the first time it was, that was an amazing, amazing moment. And it really, I was a different person when I woke up and I know that sounds cliche, uh, but I was. Now I had to do what you were just alluding to that the road to recovery when I got out, like, cause even, even after that first, when I was still in the ICU, you're still not dealing with your emotions. It's not you, it's not normal life yet because I'm in ICU and they're worried about getting me to sit up out of my bed and move to the recliner next to my bed so I can move for the day. You know, that's my exercise. There's my PT. Here's your little goals, you know, to hit. So about, I would say two, three weeks after I'm home. So probably six weeks after surgery or seven weeks after surgery, something like that. That's when it really started to get hard. And, and I, the, the word I use is raw. My emotions are raw. I, I just went, I shouldn't be here. I have all of these people who work complete strangers who work so tirelessly to save my life. Why are they saving my life? Don't they know the, the piece of shit mm. that I am? Like, why would they bother with me? And I have zero tools on how to cope with any of this because I, I just drank it before. Like I didn't have to cope with it. You know, I'd be 12 pack of beer in and sure enough, nope, nope, I'm not a piece of shit anymore. Look at me, I'm funny. You know, and that's mm -hmm. how I dealt with it. So that's where the therapy came in and smart recovery came in because you start looking at these irrational thoughts. You know, when I say, you know, I'm a complete piece of shit. Okay, well, let's dissect that statement, shall we? <laughs> you know, are you? First off, let's define piece of shit. What does that mean to you? And then I, I, and I'll have these conversations with people that I coach. What does that mean? Like, literally, I want you to define it like it's in the Webster's Dictionary. Tell me what that means. And they'll say, okay, it means this, this, this. All right. So now let's look at you, you know, look at myself. What, what are things that I've done that you're proud of? And of course you say your kids, I'm proud of that. And then I'd say, I'm proud of whatever else, you know, down the road that you're proud of. And then you look back and go, well, hold on. Those things you just listed do not fit this definition that you just said. They mm -hmm. just don't. They're completely contradictory. So that irrational thought and that horrible self-talk that you just had, it, it doesn't help at all. Like this is completely just um, detrimental to what you're trying to do. So here, instead, let's reframe some things and rephrase some comments to yourself. And, and you start slowly. But I, those first couple of weeks uh, when I'm out of the hospital now, uh, it was mandatory. I went to therapy once a week. Mm -hmm. I actually asked my therapist, can I go twice? And I was in tears, like ugly cry, snot bubble tears every session. And I mean, the minute she walked in the door, she'd ask me one question, mm. I'm done. And it was just done. Mm. So we worked on tools. We worked on mindfulness was the first part that we worked on. We spent, we spent a couple, three weeks on mindfulness and how to utilize that and how to separate me from my emotions. So that somebody just doesn't ask me one question that could be silly as much as like, what'd you have for lunch? You know, and off I go, you know, it, it's, you can put a space between you and your, for me, I put a space between myself and my emotions mm. and my thoughts. So you have some time to observe them, think about them, mm. how you want to react. Is it a real legitimate thought or is it one of these irrational thoughts that you have? Like, that's just silly. Like every Jamie asked me just the other day, 
she said, do you ever think about drinking anymore? I said, I really don't. Like, I don't have cravings anymore. But every once in a while, for some out of the complete blue, I'll be a, man, a little shot of Yukon Jack sounds real good right now. And then my other response is, what the fuck? Where did that come from? Like, mm. and it because it would be completely unprompted. Like, there's no, it wasn't part of the topic. I didn't see it on TV. It wasn't, I'll be driving in my car listening to a podcast or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, here's this random thought. Mm. Okay, well, there's a space. And now we can look at that random thought. Does it really sound good? No, actually, it doesn't. Mm. No. And then we kind of go through and then the moment just fades away and floats off into the distance and out it goes. Oh, yeah, I've come I've come to the terms now, um, especially with the therapist and that that part of me is always going to be there. You know, that part that that alcoholic Kelly is always it's it's who you are you know it's not who you are now but it is a part of you and there are many parts of you and a great a great exercise um you know that i'm sharing with people now and something that really helped me and it made me realize like you've got these parts of you and how you want to show up in the world and it's you know you're in picture yourself in a meeting, mm-hmm. uh, like a, like a, I don't know, office meeting. And you've got the different parts of you, like the, the ultra runner, Kelly, you know, the, the partner, Kelly, the alcoholic Kelly, you've got all, all, all the, all the parts that make up who you are now. And you just got to ask yourself who's running, who's running the meeting. That's who you are. That, right. that's that's the person and when you know when i when i got deep into it i i i realized like and it's such a simple exercise but it was i i realized i wouldn't be the person i am now doing what i'm doing now if it wasn't for those parts of me in the past mm-hmm. and i can't be angry at them i can't go fucking you know you, you drank yourself into an oblivion you did drugs and you did this and i went wait a minute i needed that to, to step up, you know, I needed that to step into and evolve into the new version of myself. And maybe, you know, who knows, like in a way I'm thankful and maybe like, I don't know if you're thankful for it, but I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that I went through everything. I'm thankful that, you know, I did want, it sounds horrendous, but I'm thankful that I did want to kill myself. I'm thankful that I did go on, binge like you know a, a binge weekend of just drugs and alcohol with stri- just strip it just disgusting behavior but then you know i i, I I'm, I'm happy that that's happened because now it gives me something you know who knows what i'd be doing now if it wasn't for that so i completely agree that's all of those embarrassing and shameful and, and disgusting moments from years gone by brought me here. Mm. I really, truly, I really, truly believe the, the reason I have a second chance is because I can take all of those moments and I can help somebody else. Mm. That's either going through them on their own so that they don't take their own life or they don't kill somebody else, you know, drunk driving or whatever it is, or they don't abandon their kids or whatever their situation is. I can take all of that shit that I went through and hopefully help this person over here or that person over there, whatever it is. Um, I, I really truly believe that's why that's why I'm still breathing. 
is how many people can I help positively affect throughout the rest of my life, you know, and try to do it on a day to day basis. And it can be small stuff. It could be, it could be, it doesn't have to be big things. It could be, I have a bottle of water in the car and there's a homeless person with a sign, you know, here's, it's hot. Here's a bottle of water, man. Mm. Um, it could be giving away my trekking poles to a father-son duo who's coming up the mountain as I'm coming down and, and dad is struggling. And it was, here you go. Well, don't you need them? Not as much as you do, because you're going up. I'm almost finished. You know, um, it's those little things every day that, and, and there's no crowd, there's no awards, there's no applause. It's just, how can you help this person that's standing right in front of you at this very moment? I like it. The way I, I like to look at it is if you can get to who you are now with everything that you've done in the past, you've got the future ahead. Where can you be with what you're doing now and who, who can you be with what you're doing now in the future? And it's just, you know, momentum. It's just momentum that we, we, we've got to, you know, look at because like the, the the timeline like really in, re, in 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 reality if you look at the time you zoom out it's only happened five years ago six years ago and look at what you know look at just yeah I'll, i makes you think i get real like i'll sit here at night time or the kids are asleep and i'll be looking at like the ceiling just having these deep thoughts of like wow like look how far you have come you know without the podcast without anything just as a human being you know that actually, that, that statement brought me back to your boardroom office meeting example where there's you know, Kent, the ultra runner, Kent, the dad, you know, the, the husband, mm-hmm. by the way, congratulations. Uh, Thanks so, so much. I, I haven't seen you since then. Uh, but you see all those ones and you said, who's running the meeting? And in my vision, when you were describing it, my mental picture, I went, well, I am. Those are parts of me, but I'm running the meeting. Like that, that ultra runner, Kelly, has got his, you know, hydration vest on and his compression socks. He's, he's there. He's on the board. Like he, he has a big voice and a big say in what we do. You know, the, the, the husband Kelly, he has a big say in what we do, but I'm running the meeting, you know, alcoholic Kelly, we appreciate your contributions from a while back, but please just sit <laughs> quiet in the corner, you know, but I'm the one running the meeting. Those, those are just parts. They don't, they don't necessarily they are things that I do and they are definitely part of my identity. But if, if, if I never could run an ultra race again, I'm still me. You know what I mean? Mm. Like it's still, that's, I'm still, I'm still me. So anyway, I just had that visual when you were describing that, you know, but isn't that not, it's nice to finally, like it was, it was such a light bulb moment for me when I, when I did that exercise, it was like, and I, you know, you go that little bit deeper and go, who am I? You could, but I'm. It's to you know to articulate that out. It, it's hard, but you, you know, you know who you are. You know these parts of you. They 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 all play into your life, yes. But then, who's running the meeting? I am me. Okay. The truest, and and it's it's so simple, but it's yeah. it blow it blew my mind that. Uh, how, how do I articulate it? I have no fucking idea. But you, you got to, you like it. That's that's who it is. Um, so to sort of land this a bit, I, it's a new question that I've added. Um, and I, I think I, I got asked this once, and it's just stuck with me ever since. 
you know, for my audience, for your friends and family, for your followers who will listen to this, what is something that you wish people knew about you or you want, you want them to know about you? Hmm. I, th- I think that we, I, we're all just humans, you know, e- every single one of us is just another human being. We'll talk, I could talk about the homeless person that is handed the water bottle to is no different than me. Matter of fact, I was one or two shitty decisions from being that person begging on the street corner, yeah. you know? I'm no different than uh, the the young kid that's bagging groceries at the grocery store right up the road or the super experienced ultra runner or whoever it is. We're all human beings. We all have the same thoughts. We all have the same irrational thoughts. We all have the same little voice in our head that says we're not good enough. You're not fast enough. You can't run that hundred miles. Why on earth would you do it on a track? I don't care that you think you can do it your, your feet are going to hurt all those different negative things that we all think about. Everybody has those no matter who they are. And then you multiply that out to somebody who is going through something really traumatic in their life. Mm. Not, not ultra running suffering, but actual suffering and just treat them with a little bit of kindness. That's all it takes is a smile, that perspective, you know, that whatever you're going through in this particular moment Nine times out of 10 or even more than that probably isn't that big a deal. And in five years from now, 10 years from now, you're not even going to remember what you were upset about today. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But when you're chatting with somebody else who is actually going through something, you can just listen. You can just give them a smile, give them a hug, whatever it is. Um, But just knowing that we're all, we're all the same. We're all in this together. No one knows what the fuck is going on. Right. Yeah, good one. <laughs> yeah. We're all just making it up as we go. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, that sounds I have, good. Oh, uh, I think yeah, we get caught up in life. And then you, you just as you said, you zoom out and you go, We're everything is being made up. Everything mm-hmm. is made up just to give us some sort of meaning and, and purpose in life. And in reality, none of us, not even me, not even my parents, they're, they're learning as they go as well. Like, yep. No one knows what the fuck is going on. Well, I think that the meaning actually is to sit there and take, you know, I talked about this with uh, a few times with people, but wherever you're at, just take a minute, 15 seconds, and just pause, mm. realize where you are and how absolutely lucky you are to be there. Mm. Uh, I did. I had uh, friends of mine that were getting married uh, via Instagram. I mean, we, we used to know each other many, many years ago, but they were getting married. Uh, and they threw out the, like the question on social media that says, hey, any advice for the wedding day? And I told them, I said that again, it was the same speech I gave at the beginning of the ultra race. That day is going to it's going to flash by you. You're not even going to realize it's over and gone if you let it. So mm-hmm. just consciously multiple times throughout those next few hours, stop and appreciate where you're at. Just pause. 15 seconds is all it takes. We were at Thanksgiving dinner um, this last year up at my sister's house and it was chaos. I mean, there's kids running around, 
everybody's loud. There's all, the whole family's in this one little dining room and the volume's up here. And I leaned over to Jamie and, and kind of leaned in and said, you've heard me talk about taking 15 seconds, do it right here. And this moment is what it's all about. You know, mm -hmm. mom's yelling at one kid and this brother punched another one and their mashed potatoes are burned, whatever it is, you know, but that particular moment is perfect. And if we can do that throughout the day, a couple, three times, that's all it takes, 30 seconds of your day, 10 seconds each. And it's, it's amazing. Just stop and look at the sunset, listen to the wind, whatever it is that, whatever it is that you want to do, just pause and look at it for a minute and go, man, I'm lucky to be here. Cause it all goes away like that. I think that is a perfect way to end that. That, uh, that was, that was great. That was fucking wonderful. I could, I'm going to listen to that again. Wow. All right. Put it into practice. I do it. I do it. Every, I can't say every day, most days a week, six, five, six, seven days a week. And just, and you have to be conscious about it because your day will fly by. You got work and you got kids and the, the mm. commute and traffic and whatever, you know, but just consciously, and it doesn't have, you can be anywhere. You can mm. be at the grocery store, you know, sitting in line and all of a sudden the thought pops into your head and you go, all right, I'm going to pause for a minute and appreciate where I'm at. And then you can start thinking, wow, I, I'm able to, to afford these groceries that I'm standing in line for, you know, I'm able to afford the. M&Ms that I shouldn't be eating in the first place, but I can buy them because I like them, you know, and then you start to appreciate those little things. If it can be the sunrise or the birds or the wind or whatever, those are even better. And then when you get on June 3rd, June 2nd, whatever, what days you run? Mm, June 2nd. Okay. So at 2 a.m. when your feet are on fire, because you have blisters upon blisters, appreciate the blisters because the dude with no feet, he wants them. He'll take the feet with blisters, you know? So I try to do that almost all the time. Fuck. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm lost. I'm lost word. Like, this is why I enjoy talking to you. Like you articulate yourself very well. You, you put together your thoughts very well and you're, you're able to speak what's on your mind and, mate that was that was really nice that was really yeah. thank you really really nice and i think you know my audience can definite will definitely take something from this um you know and again it's not so much about the you know ultra running and all that but i i think it's the recovery piece and what sure. you've been through that we can draw strength from including myself you know and no no word of a lie every time <laughs> sounds silly but every time i drink or i have had a drink uh drinks drink i i get angry at myself and i it was you the oh fuck what's his name anyway uh forgot his name but your 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 name and this other guy's name would come to mind to go if i told them that i'd broken my sobriety how would they feel no, no way. No, I'd feel guilt and it, I'd purposely make myself feel guilty so I wouldn't continue on. But again, that's a very unhealthy way of doing it. But it is. Yeah, like it, it to 
you have played like especially with the recovery and and you know I relapse and I get back on I relapse and I get back on uh, but yeah you rich roll that other guy fuck what's his name I met him I met him twice but he he's he's really helped me with it you know you guys are there like at the forefront of my head going fuck like if they if they can do it I can do it but I've just got to I know you can Get back on the horse. Get back on the horse. So here's here's a tool because you're two weeks in right now, right? So mm-hmm. there's a, a tool that practice this the next time and urge or the thought or the craving or whatever, because they come and I'm sure they're intense right now too. Like when you decide you want to, whatever your drink of choice is, when you decide you want one, that, that I'm assuming that moment can get very intense. Like I, I have to have it kind of deal. Mm. I like to look at them. It's a wave, right? That, that urge or that craving or that thought it's a wave and it will come. Sometimes they're ferocious and big waves. Sometimes they're little Mm. waves. Sometimes they're real long. Sometimes they're real short, but they're always finite. And you just got to ride that wave. And eventually it will go away. Mm. So there's things that you can do, break up the thought pattern, go for a walk, you know, Mm. like wherever you're at, stop and go for a walk and break up the thought pattern or whatever it is. I mean, there's multiple different things you can do, but just, I always, the phrase I always use is ride that wave. It'll, it'll end. I promise. It's not going to last forever. Mm. It'll go away and you will no longer want your drink. You just got to ride it out. I'll take that on board. But mate, look, thank you. I mean that I really, for me personally, thank, like, thank you for that. Thank you so much you know, taking time out of your afternoon and, and wanting Absolutely. to come back on. And yeah. I really, I know, and I hope that, you know, people get the message, not, not so much about the, the as I said, the ultra running, but the, the, the recovery, um, you know, I've, I've got a few mates who are going through some shit at the moment with drinking and yeah, I hope they listen to this and I hope they get some value from this because I definitely have, and I really appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate what you've done. And I appreciate what you've just said today because that like, it's yeah, it, it, it's helped me a lot, a lot. So good, man. Well, I, man. I sincerely consider you a friend, even though we've never actually met. Um, I'm a phone call away or an mm. Instagram text away or whatever away. Um, and, it, and I mean, at any time, like my phone's always with me anytime you want. And if I miss it, I'll call you right back as soon as I see it. And that goes for your friends too. If they're, mm. if they're in the middle of it and they want to talk to some, some dude 8,000 miles away or however far away I live from it that doesn't know them from Adam. Yeah. Mm. They can, they can sit and vent and they can talk. It'll be completely non-judgmental. I don't even know them. You know what I mean? Mm. So uh, pass it around my phone or my Instagram or whatever it is. You can just have them reach out. Will man. But again, thank you so much for doing yes, this sir. and, We'll do it again. We'll definitely do it again. I want to see what you've got planned in the future. Oh, yeah. Who knows? All right, buddy. Be good. Peace. See ya.